Welcome to another episode of Ideas Digest with me, Conrad, and it is just me doing the intro today because for this episode, Brooke has taken the lead. And, you know, I'm feeling a bit insecure because I get less airtime this episode, so I kicked her off. <laughs> no, I would never, ever do that. She's pretty much the star of the show. Brooke is just a very busy woman these days. Anyway, as you might have gathered already from the clickbait title, this week's episode might be a challenging one for some of you. If you're not comfortable hearing regular use of the word masturbation and a bit of general sex talk, you might want to give this one a miss. Hang on. Uh, no, actually, I take that back. If you are uncomfortable, I'd especially encourage you to listen to this anyway. Masturbation and sex is not often talked about, and particularly the perspective that is shared today. So keep on listening and hop on board the Masturbation Express. Um, that was probably not my finest analogy. I'm just getting you used to feeling uncomfortable early on. So the listening, <laughs> yeah, the listening is going to get easier from here. Maybe I'll edit that out. We'll see how it plays back. On a more serious note, though, as you listen to this episode, I want you to pay special attention to how you personally feel when you're listening. Is part of you uncomfortable, maybe embarrassed, maybe fearful, or maybe you're totally fine and not uncomfortable at all? Just by taking the time to observe your own personal response to the conversation that is taking place and kind of exploring where those feelings come from, asking yourself, why do I feel uncomfortable? Why why do I feel fearful? Um, doing, doing that, just observing my own personal reaction to things, doing that has helped me learn a lot about myself, some things that I didn't know or just things I didn't connect the dots properly. And Jasmine, who Brooke and I speak with in this episode, is just the most beautiful, open person, and I hope you find this conversation as interesting and as thought-provoking as Brooke and I did. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Good afternoon. We are here at Hubro Cafe. It is Brooke and I am taking over the airways. So sit down, buckle up. <laughs> We are ready to go. <laughs> Secretly, I always wanted to be an air hostess, so <laughs> air hostess meets podcast. You've got me hosting Ideas Digest. <laughs> anyway, back to what we're really here to talk about, and that is a conversation with my friend Jasmine. Hey. So Jazz is really cool. She's super edgy. She's got this short fringe she's got glasses she's got a she's got her nose pierced I don't know if I walked by her on the street in Newcastle I'd be so intimidated because <laughs> her edginess is just off the chain Thanks and I secretly would love to be more edgy <laughs> is that why you're wearing double denim <laughs> <laughs> yes and a, and a train conductor's hat <laughs> yes of course 
because I had to match my style guru. Um, yeah, so Jazz, tell us a little bit about what you like. I know you love fashion. I do love fashion, yes. Um, what do I like? Uh, look, I'm a pretty creative person, so I love anything that provides creative expression. So whether that's through clothing or through jewellery, how I have my hair, I mean... It's brown at the moment, but this is the longest it's been one colour. Normally, it's blonde or purple or something crazy. Oh, you're everything I wish I could be bold enough to be. <laughs> it's actually true, though, because we have the same personality type. It's We're both true. INFJ on the Myers-Briggs. Yep. So, even more reasons why I look up to you, Jazz. <laughs> so, tell us, Jazz, what, where did you grow up? I grew up on the Central Coast. Um, with my family there in a little town called Woiwoi. You go past it just before you start going to Sydney on the train. And I was homeschooled my whole life actually, never went to school and was brought up also in a Christian environment as well. So my mum was actually a kids pastor at the church that I grew up in and that's been one of the biggest things that's been part of, yeah, growing up for me so what um religious background was it quite conservative quite liberal I mean it was Pentecostal evangelical style that I grew up in which you could call it fairly charismatic but then there was definitely things in there that were quite conservative as well Mm. could you give me an example so I I think one of the biggest things that I noticed that was conservatives was like as I was growing up anyway I was in what people are now calling the purity movement so that was a really big thing that my teenage years were spent learning at youth group it was all about you know keep yourself pure wear a purity ring cover up so that you don't cause somebody else to stumble sexually yeah well, we are going to talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure, today yes. as we unpack your idea. Yep. So just quickly before we move on, tell me a little bit about your family. So where are you in the family? Yep. So I am the middle child. I have an older sister and I have a younger sister. My other sisters also were homeschooled, so we all grew up together. My dad learnt very quickly how to <laughs> live with four girls, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> including my mum. Brave man. Yeah. Overall, would you say you're really glad that you got homeschooled or would you? There's pros and cons. And I mean, the biggest pro for me was that I didn't have to be stuck at school all day. So the way that my mum homeschooled us was four hours of schoolwork in the morning. And then once we were done, that was it. We had the rest of the day free. So that was awesome because <laughs> because I am a fairly creative person. Like I didn't want to be sitting and looking at books all day. But then the downside to that was that because I was a bit more of a creative person, I, I didn't really get pushed academically, whereas in a school environment, I might have been pushed a little bit more. Now, you're married, aren't you, Jazz? I'm married to Daniel Carmen, sitting in Ooh, the crowd. First and last name. Now people can look you up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've been married. Um, we're in our seventh year of being married this year. All right, so let's get on to our topic today. Now, our clickbait title, as you know, we love making sure that people click on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and it might not fully explain all the nuance behind this yeah. idea, but what would your clickbait title be? Okay, so my clickbait title that I came up with was Masturbation Saved My Sex Life. 
I'm feeling hot under the collar already. <laughs> I know, I think I'll have to take up one of my double denim layers right now. <laughs> okay, disclaimer, Jazz. Yep. And you know you know me so well after one month, but oh, yeah. you know that this kind of topic is a little bit triggering for me yeah. because I... I, you know, I've never talked about masturbation really. You're the first person that I've talked to and have I talked feel privileged. About it with. And I love your authenticity and your journey with this and your sincerity as well. How are you feeling though? Before we get into the topic, how you do you feel nervous talking about this, or do you have any reservations? I don't feel nervous talking about it. Like I feel like it's something that I'm pretty ready to talk about. But I guess because of my background being in a Christian background I'm a, I guess I'm a little bit hesitant that there could be some people that don't necessarily like the idea so when you're talking about something that could potentially be controversial I guess it's always a little bit nerve-wracking and you were saying you haven't really talked about this much with people that are quite close to you that's correct I haven't so with that I'm going to be trying to make sure that you have the platform to really share your idea in a way that is completely authentic to the way that you see it without the clickbait (laughs) without the sensationalism (laughs) let's just digest this idea sounds good so your idea is masturbation save my sex life do you want to start from the beginning with your story so as you heard I'm in my seventh year of marriage and I was also heard that I brought up in a Christian environment so it wasn't necessary I don't feel like it was necessarily a very sex positive environment so when it come to came to learning about sex and my sexuality I sort of had to work that out myself when I first got married and I was a virgin and when we tried to have intercourse nothing happened Nothing happened as in it didn't work. It didn't work. I basically thought I was broken and there was something wrong with me and that's how I spent the next six years of my marriage because I didn't know what it was and I was too ashamed to talk about it because I'd been taught, well, if you remain pure, then like it's all going to be good. And I was like, okay, well, I have... So what's going on? (laughs) And probably because there's no conversations that are happening about it. You wouldn't know who's safe to talk to about it. That's right. You wouldn't know, you know, there's probably a lot of shame. And well, I know for me, I felt a lot of shame around sex and sexuality as well. So I can totally understand how you'd be feeling really lost in that space. Yeah. Especially right. in such an intimate, personal thing. It's like the one thing, like being from a Christian background, that's the one thing that's like you get married and then that's what you can do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Penetrative sex. Yes. That's the one like it's, holy yeah. tick box that you yeah. are allowed to do once you have sex. I mean, once you get married. That's right. Yeah. And then that didn't happen and I was like, okay then. So this was on your honeymoon? Yeah, this is on honeymoon and then because it was it was painful that's why it, it it didn't it didn't happen just to be specific sure. when you say it didn't happen you mean the penis couldn't penetrate the vagina correct that happens yes yeah. you obviously feel very ashamed about it yeah you do you instantly kind of shut down or do you 
start googling <laughs> on dr google like what is going on what what do you do? yeah look i did shut down i definitely shut down um and that was a bit of a struggle because being newly married um it's meant to be a really exciting time and it's meant to be a sort of a fun time where you're learning things together but i just had experienced pain and not pleasure and so i just shut down and i was like well i don't, I don't want to do that and yeah, like I tried to do a little bit of research, but I didn't find any answers at that time. How long were you basically suffering in silence for? Uh, about six years. And what was your husband, Dan? Like, did you, t- did he try and talk to you about it or was it kind of just something that you didn't talk about, you tried to ignore? No, look, we definitely talked about it. It, it took time. It took a lot of time to be able to talk about it and go okay well it's not working you know I guess and then I guess for our relationship like what else is there that we can do that we can be intimate then without this just sort of stereotypical way that people are expecting sex to happen so six years goes by and then you go to a doctor or you found something else on google or you started talking to someone or you followed someone on instagram we were actually um on holidays in New Zealand and we were listening to Morgan and Ron Cecil's podcast which is called Sexy Tuxedo Jesus (laughs) (laughs) and there was a point that Morgan mentioned about pain during intercourse and I don't know if she mentioned an actual word but it got me thinking again and so I started googling and I discovered that there is a condition called vaginismus. It's basically when your vagina muscles spasm and so they close up. So I knew what it was so I could put a name to it, which was a good start. That spurred me to do a, try to do a little bit more research. Then I got the courage finally to talk to two girlfriends. Um, they then really pushed me to go and see a doctor. Um, so I found a really good doctor who... I went to her, she examined me and basically confirmed that, yes, I do have vaginismus, but she was then going to send me to a physiotherapist, so a specific um, pelvic floor physiotherapist, who would then confirm whether it was that, and if it was, then I would go through treatment to cure it. And they said, all clear it is, yes. let's go through some treatment. Yeah. And that's what, I guess, brings us to the idea. Yes. Masturbation saved your marriage. Correct. So, masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> it is a word that I've been trying to say more frequently because yeah. it does make me feel uncomfortable when I say that word. I also grew up in a Christian context, as you know. So, it is something that I've never spoken about. Really, like only probably the last year I've started to talk more about it as a female. We would hear about it in youth down, like down with the kids sermons. Guys, don't masturbate. It's bad. That's how I, that's how I would hear it all the time. Yeah, but no one explained why it was bad. Like I heard it makes you blind. <laughs> that's the wow. only thing. Okay. <laughs> that's what I've heard. Like there's so many random things that I've heard about it, but no one really ever talks yeah. about it. So I don't know how equipped I am to actually be having this conversation, but that's why I'm glad we're interviewing you, Jazz. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say the context that for guys, at least, it was always in association with porn only ever that and then I think one time I asked 
my mom was like, why is masturbation bad? And, and we're like, like, what if you weren't looking at porn? And they're like, well, I guess it's maybe the lustful thoughts. Like, what if, uh, what if, you know, and you can fill the loopholes. Like, what if you're like, you're not having lustful thoughts? Uh, I don't know. So, yeah, that's the context I have. Self, well, I think it would come back to self-pleasure. Like, that's designed to be able to be done in the context of yeah. a husband and wife. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing yeah. that by yourself because then you are self-sufficient and God yeah. created us for a context of community. Wow, are you a pastor? <laughs> very, sound very qualified there. So that's just filling in some gaps there. <laughs> Who knows where this knowledge comes from? <laughs> Tell me, what did you used to think about masturbation? Was it talked about? And how did mas- how was masturbation the puzzle piece that saved your sex life? So yeah, so for me, masturbation wasn't spoken about. wasn't spoken about like from my parents. It was I knew that masturbation was something that people did to me it was like a shameful thing and my understanding was that anything to do with your sexuality or sex outside of marriage was a sin to overcome vaginismus there are a few ways there in America particularly you can get Botox I I don't know a lot about that, so I'm not going to go into that. But for me, I went and saw the physiotherapist and she encouraged me to use dilators, which is just, I don't even know how to describe them. They're a plastic dildo, basically, (laughs) that come in different sizes to, they are very medical. (laughs) They're not sexy whatsoever. (laughs) So they're basically like cylinder-style yeah. plastic yes. pieces that increase in size that you insert to stretch. Stretch. Correct. Okay. Yes. I started off my journey to being cured in a very clinical sense where I was just practicing with these dilators. Like I got homework from the physiotherapist, you know, so I'd just go home, do my homework, and then I'd go back to my next visit. And it wasn't until I went to see a therapist. The main reason I went to see her was because I felt like I needed some sort of emotional healing. So you had the intuition and insight to know that this is not just a physical thing. I'm more connected than just a body. Obviously, like even just having this experience that you interpreted and internalized as shameful when you went to have sex with your husband, you couldn't that in itself would need emotional healing. That's it, exactly. So I went to see her and during the conversation, she encouraged me to start masturbating and or if you want to use the other word, self-pleasure, which is another word that people use these days. The reason why she suggested that is because she also sort of enlightened me a little bit on my own body, which I wasn't really educated about. And she was explaining that, you know, when a, for a woman, when a woman becomes aroused, it takes time and like your vagina isn't just immediately ready yes. um, for penetrative sex. So she explained the process that your body goes through to be able to have something inserted into you. And so that's why she uh, encouraged masturbation so that my body was actually physically ready to have something inserted into it. 
And that sort of blew my mind a little bit because I was like, oh, no one's ever told me this before. (laughs) Did you feel like confronted by that? Definitely felt nervous because I was like, oh, she's just mentioned masturbation. Like (laughs) that's never been talked about, you know, that's meant to be a sinful thing, you know. So I was like, oh, how am I going to tackle this? Because it seems like it's meant to be actually a really critical thing in how I can resolve what I'm going through. And so it was a bit of a mental process. To get used to the idea, it probably took me a couple of weeks, but I obviously debriefed on my therapist visit with my husband. So that's when I mentioned to him that that's what she suggested. And I was like, well, how would you feel about that? Um, Because, you know, I didn't know whether he wouldn't like it or not (laughs) not that if he said he didn't like it I would have let him like dictate that but (laughs) yeah you're having an open conversation with your other person yeah exactly and I think I guess another key to all of this is preparing your body like when you are being aroused and to prepare your body to be in a sexual relationship you're taught that there's good things that happen you know, like there's orgasms and all, and there's fun things that happen. It's meant to be like a really positive and pleasurable experience. But for me, it had just been pain. And I guess a real critical point is the reason why there was pain, because that was the other thing I was trying to explore is why did this happen to me? What did I do to cause this to happen? And when I was nine, I actually had an accident where I was walking alongside a pool and one leg slipped into the pool and the other leg stayed out. So I basically got like a massive wedgie. (laughs) But it was a very... But it was a... Destructive. Yeah, it was a very destructive wedgie because it... She ruined my sex life. Another clickbait oh title. <laughs> <laughs> it was the wedgies sounds yeah. a little bit light. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't this. Yeah. From what you've described to me before, it was like very traumatic. Yes, correct. There was it was very traumatic. So I was a nine-year-old who then had to go to the emergency department where I had doctors examining me. And then I had to have surgery to have stitches to fix the cut. And all of that was a very painful event. You know, the accident itself was painful. When before, like before I went and had surgery and even after I went and had surgery, there was a lot of pain associated with that. So your body really internalized the trauma when you went to have sex with your husband. Your body's like, uh, no we're not doing this. We know what happens. This is really painful. And it's crazy how your body has such insane memory. Like that's probably like 15 years later, right? Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Did you connect these two events, like the trauma as a child to what you're experiencing? Not initially, no. I'd sort of forgotten about the event really. So whilst I spent a lot of the, you know, the early years of our marriage going, why would this be happening? Why would this be happening? And then it wasn't until I, I mean I don't can't remember the exact moment that it sort of all clicked into place but I then remembered oh that's right I had that accident maybe that could have a part to play mm. Mm. so from your understanding of masturbation your kind of anxiety around it initially then you started putting it in as part of your practice yes what what do you think about it now and how did that change tell us about how the idea around masturbation changed because I started incorporating it to help 
I guess my vagina learn that it's not something down there is not painful. It's pleasurable. So, so rewiring your neurological pathways. Yeah. I guess because I was, I needed to be in control, you know, I didn't want anyone else touching me because, you know, I couldn't control it. And what if they accidentally hurt me? Yes. So I so needed you could to trust yourself. Yeah. I could trust myself. You know, I knew if I needed to stop because I was hurting or something like I could do it. And you could, you don't need to necessarily, I think sometimes in these kind of situations with your partner, you know, you have to use your words to yes. communicate. <laughs> yes. And sometimes when you're in those really vulnerable situations, using words, I don't know, for me, I always shut down with my voice when I feel trauma or when I feel anxi- yeah. anxiety, I just yeah. shut, it, shut down. Yeah. And so I can totally see how actually articulating mm. where you were at, if you were to bring Dan into that situation as part of your healing would have been so draining and yeah. maybe prolonged the process because the honesty that you would have, the energy that you would have needed to have that yeah. honest conversation continually would have been so taxing. Yeah. And that, that's the thing, you know, like, and I didn't want to have to, if something hurt, I didn't want to have to keep saying like, no, or like yeah. stop or, you know, that, that would sort be of traumatic thing. for Dan too. <laughs> yeah. <potentially. laughs> Just like, oh no, everything I do hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's trauma. <laughs> so that's why um, I started using masturbation as part of my healing process. And also just to know how my body functioned because, you know, oh, I didn't even really know how my body functioned. I didn't, I didn't have that understanding. And so I, there was that side of the healing that came into it as well. And so incorporating it into the practice for healing the vaginismus and then also just as like my own, I guess, sexual healing, bringing those two together, it made a huge difference. So how would you talk about masturbation now? For me, it's using it, I guess, as a growth tool for myself to learn more about my body, to connect with my body as well. So, you know, we there are so many different parts of us in the one body, but they all those parts do have to connect I guess to, I feel like. So like mind, body, soul. Yep. To be able to even just generally be the best person that I can be. I think there are certain practices that you might do that are physical to help keep like growing yourself. So whether it's even something like meditation or you might go and do a yoga class or go do some retail therapy, you know, that's all. Yeah. It's all to understand yourself. And so for me, masturbation played a really huge part in that I have my own issues around sex and I get really anxious thinking about masturbation and talking about it I remember Conrad and I had a conversation like probably similar to the one (laughs) you and Dan had where Conrad's just like yeah well let's just talk about it like what's so bad about it just to have that frank conversation and I literally had a panic attack sucking in air couldn't breathe and I for me I'm like well I don't want to be afraid of anything yeah you know but there's so much fear associated with masturbation yeah did you feel any of that fear when you first gave it a go definitely I guess because of the such a heavy Christian background not that the environment that I grew up in was like if you do something wrong you're literally gonna burn in hell 
but like it was almost like I was waiting for like something bad to happen because now I'd I'd quote sinned gone blind or something (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go blind just to circle back quickly when you were saying um using it to kind of connect with yourself that's an interesting that's a concept that I'm hearing more and more lately and I think at least the way I see it now, but probably used to see it, the whole, I would view myself as, I know myself, I'm control of everything, I can explain all my actions, I'm not a mystery. But then it's, it's kind of like you're describing and what I'm learning more is that we don't necessarily understand all the factors that control us, we don't understand all the things that have contributed to a belief or a reaction to something or an interaction with somebody. And... It's it's almost like when I was Brooke and I when we were kind of talking about sex and this kind of stuff. I was looking at there's lots of sex podcasts. I was like, yeah. oh, what are people talking about on yeah. sex podcasts? And I chose one, and it was just talking explicitly about masturbation, sex, anal sex. And I yeah. noticed my own like I I would have thought. <laughs> heart pumping (laughs) don't use those words like literally that's my reaction in myself I'm like but that's but that's exactly what Brooks just said was exactly what I would have thought oh I'm cool to talk about sex guys joke about masturbation all the time but as I was listening to this podcast I I observed my own reaction being like oh no you can't say that oh you can't talk about that so it's this interesting so are you kind of talking about when you're saying connecting with yourself is it is it can you explain that a little bit more for me and what that looks like? For me, I've been on this journey, um, which is another word that um, people are using, which is like feminine wholeness and sexual wholeness. And it's just about learning how my body works, learning what my body likes and not as a tool to replace anything in my marriage, but just so I can understand myself better just so I can have a better understanding from a a body, a mind and a soul perspective on how I want to do life. (laughs) Knowledge is empowering, right? Correct. And so if you're thinking about knowledge, understanding things, but then you're also putting that knowledge into action, what kind of more empowering thing can you have when you're connecting your physical and your mental that's right and then obviously your emotions are all tied up in there as well yep exactly and I think the the biggest thing for me is I wasn't using masturbation to replace anything I was using it to just try and heal something that was on the inside and understand Mm -hmm. and I think like it's been really beneficial because now I know have a better understanding of what I like so that's like benefited my sexual relationship with my husband because it's not just me going oh I don't really know anything you're not afraid of that I'm not I might be being too reductionistic in my (laughs) summary but it's almost as if we generally for every other area of our lives we can inquire like oh I'm more of a swimmer than a runner and I know that because I ran and swam as a kid and one clicked but then when it comes to sex it we just don't think about it and expect to we don't explore it and work out what Correct. how our body functions in that space yeah. just like any other realm of the physical mm. body yeah. becky in the audience is just going to add something in more than welcome <laughs> so i was just saying that as well for women 
in particular that we weren't allowed to explore, we weren't even allowed to touch, you know, anything down there and that, you know, for guys, it's a lot more accessible for you. And, Do and you, you have to touch it when you pee? Yeah, you have to touch it when you pee. <laughs> so, You're right. Mystery solved. That's why it's... <laughs> like, I don't know, but that's just what I think. Yeah, totally. How else would you do it? <laughs> yeah, the good guys can do it without touching. <laughs> no hands. <laughs> for females, we definitely weren't encouraged to explore. You know, there's no none of that. Boys will be boys. Boys will touch themselves. But for girls, we're express, expressly taught, explicitly taught. Yep not to not to touch like I remember my brother he'd like get up at the dinner table pull out his ding-a-ling and start (laughs) playing it like a guitar and everyone's like oh that's so funny and you know I I would just never think of touching and or doing anything like that because it would be so like oh no our daughter is like being promiscuous or something I don't know and even if I was like three years old yeah, guys had this subculture, even in the Christian realm, when it's like, don't do it. We had this subculture of all the jokes in my high school at a Christian school were just masturbation related or sex jokes. And so that That's kind why of... I never got them. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of normalised it in a sense that I guess didn't happen. Yeah, that's for women, that's definitely true that I know like, and I see parents and I'm not a parent, so I don't know what I'd be like when I'm a parent, but... A lot of parents, when their their little girls touch themselves, they're like, "No, that's just, that's dirty, that's gross, that's yucky." Yeah. And so, as females, we're brought up thinking that our genitalia is yucky and gross, and so it's a real mindset shift to go. Actually, I'm not yucky. I'm not gross. I'm actually beautiful. And then also going further to the masturbation, that's not a dirty thing to do. Yes. It, because it's just about growth and acknowledging that a woman is a sexual being. Yes. And we also think about sex too. Yes. Not just the boys. I think, you know what, that's probably the first step on the road to yep. understanding sexuality is understanding that, like, for me, even to give myself permission to say I'm a sexual being, yep. that feels a little bit dangerous yeah it feels (laughs) dangerous it feels very a whole new world kind of thing and I am I'm like I didn't pack my lunch I'm not ready for this journey (laughs) (laughs) so it's really inspiring for me to see you on this really earnest sincere authentic journey masturbation being part of your practice now not because you're dirty or you've got this lustful mind or you're out of control with your desires your sexual desires it's simply I want to understand myself I don't want to be afraid of myself I want to I want and need healing I want to be able to love the people in my life more and I can't do that if I don't have an understanding of loving myself exactly and I think that's like a really key thing a romantic relationship if you can't love yourself in a sexual way how the hell are you gonna love somebody else Mm. it's very confronting I think that concept in a Christian worldview yes very with the practice of masturbation was it difficult for you to because we can talk about these ideas and go oh yeah I can understand how masturbation in that sense is helpful how long did it take you to really accept that 
and, and what did it take you to really like include it so you see it differently now and celebrate it because i yeah. think that that is something that you actually celebrate and enjoy and and well when i first talked to you about it you there was this real ease around having that as part of your practice and and i felt like it really empowered you as a person yeah so the when i first started exploring the idea and making it part of my practice it took me a little bit to get used to it because I was like okay I'm really doing this now yeah come on up Dan the husband is coming up (laughs) I can't remember exactly how long it took from that first time that the therapist suggested it as a healing technique as as a healing technique yeah But what I do remember is that I had to be out of the house the first time it happened. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Why? Because you were intimidated? Yeah, I was intimidated, definitely. And I was like, okay, I think I need to tackle this on my own. Yeah, and you didn't want to know Dan was around the corner wondering. Well, I'm sure he was around (laughs) many corners wondering. I was definitely wondering. (laughs) (laughs) I... I, um, Yeah, like I said, I can't remember exactly how long it was. It was like from that between when it was suggested and when the first time happened, but it was definitely a period of like good two or three or four months before it was at that point you were talking about of being comfortable and and, and all of that stuff. So, Um, Dan, quick question for you. Did you at all at any point feel replaced or feel like... I can't, I can't do what I'm meant to do. I have, like, my wife has to do it for herself. Like, did you, did it tap into any lack in you? Um, it's hard. We're talking about a journey of seven years in an hour or whatever this is. So it's, it's hard to answer that, to be honest. Um, there was definitely, there was definitely times when before we knew what it was, before we knew what to do about it. There was, there was so many times where, like Jazz has said, she couldn't do the one thing that she wanted to do and I didn't know why. And yeah, So there was definitely times there where there was a lack. At this point in the process, though, where we're t- working through this, I think um, I'm a really practical problem-solving person and I was just like, as soon as Jazz said it to me in the car after the therapist appointment, I was like, that's a great idea. That, that's going to work. Yeah, you need to do that. You need, you know, like so. For me, that was very easy to accept. I think this is going to work, but I don't want to be replaced. Like I yeah. just sort of said, like I think it's a good thing if it is a step in our process yeah. and it brings us together. Mm. Thanks, Dan. So, Jazz, in wrapping up, is there anything else that you would like to share about this? Or I think it's um, important to keep in mind that, like masturbation for me anyway, in my journey, wasn't a replacement tool. It was, it was an extra tool to be used for the wholeness that I'm yes. on the journey of finding. So you wouldn't necessarily go out to the world and be like, everyone should be masturbating. No, I wouldn't. It's very individual and unique. And some people might feel that they need it and some people might feel that they don't need it. I don't think it's a, everybody has to do it. Yes. I think it's, um, it's it sort of everyone assesses it like on their own individual basis and what they need. And if it's something that they think they need, then they should make sure that they have the freedom to feel like they can explore it. If people want to learn more about this kind of stuff, 
what direction might you point them in to, to keep learning and doing some research? The biggest resources that I found on in particular to masturbation was podcasts. So in particular, I listened a lot to a lady called Juliet Allen. She speaks a lot about masturbation and just even pleasure, but from a woman's perspective. And then there's another lady called Susanna Frioni. She also has a podcast. She's really good. They're both Aussie ladies too, so that's cool. And then I actually read two books that I feel like made an impact. And the first one in particular was called Pussy. Um, <laughs> also <laughs> feeling hot right now. Um, Gosh, I'm so repressed. <laughs> so that one was called Pussy, A Reclamation, and it's by a lady who's known as Mama Gina. So she's a pretty out there lady. So give that book a read. That was a book that I read early on in my journey and it really helped just to like open my eyes and be, and Dan read it also. Yeah. Go Dan. It's a good starter. Oh, he's in, recommending it as an intro as an, read. Yeah. I, okay, I, that so was don't like, be intimidated. Don't it's be intimidated. Female sexuality. Correct. Very, it's a very, it's a really empowering book for a woman to read. I found anyway. And then the last book that I read is called Come As You Are by Dr. Emily Nagoski. Don't know if that's the correct way of pronouncing it. And that was a practical but also emotional type book. So she's a doctor, but she explains a lot about how the female brain works in regards to sex and sexuality, which was also really beneficial. Thank you, Jazz. Dan, do you have any things you might want to add or how your perspective might have shifted over the whole process i mean when, when, when we're talking about the idea of masturbation and it being used as a tool for healing where did your perspective start and end on that idea my um teenage years growing up and everything same as yours youth group don't do it but all the jokes that the guys told at school or whatever were about it I, to be perfectly frank, I masturbated, I looked at porn, stuff like that. And so I think for me, one of the really hard things in this was, at first was just getting through that, like, I guess you could say there's a good side and a bad side to masturbation, at least for me, like, um, if it, in the context that we've been talking about, it brought Jazz and I through a journey that was difficult, it, 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 it had an amazing impact on our lives but at the same time my previous experience with it was a negative thing it's a it was actually I read an article I don't know if this is a wild tangent or not about about um, young males and this even though it is more accepted like we were just talking about um, they they were saying that basically one doctor was attributing a lot of the erectile dysfunction and, that. and and all of these things that are prevalent in our society and our culture now yeah. to this fact that it's dirty it's gross you shouldn't do it so basically saying that guys are going into private and they're doing this thing quickly they're doing it shamefully and hiding from it and it's causing an impact on on their then on their lives so I guess there's a negative side and a positive side to it and it took it did take me a little bit to work through that and and I guess at the end of the day it was positive I saw I saw Mm. where it was playing a part 
in, in what we were working through. Yeah, it opens up both those. I think I'd be the exact same as you. It's, it's more accepted, but still bad. Yeah. And yeah, generally, totally. my experience and you're probably yours experience the same, probably generally negative and not helpful. We took that, the negativity that guys have generally had and just blanketed it. And there is a whole other side to it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, why is, why is it right for a certain act to be done by my wife but not by me if I'm thinking about my wife. So if she's on the phone from, an, you know, from another country or another city, yeah. is that okay? Mm. Is that masturbation? Yeah. Is it sex? Yeah, exactly. Um, All these different... It's, it's nuanced in different scenarios with yeah. different applications, with different everything. It just can't be... So for me, it just comes back to where, it ta- where it's taking you, why you're doing it. And, um. I was going to say it's almost um, like the whole, okay, let's go and get it done quickly that sort of concept is like that your sexual desires and urges are like not okay yes very shameful i wonder if more than half the damage or at least half the damage of it is the shame associated with it then if if we could put it in its context and go oh i looked at porn and masturbated i probably wasn't that helpful moving on but in my context growing up it's that guilt cycle you're the worst kind of guy i can't believe you would look at that can't believe you would do that and the shame i guess is obviously what you've you're is half of what you're talking about as well and it traps you and i guess like any addiction cycle shame is a big big driver of it as well thanks so much for sharing guys I really appreciate that. Thanks for having us. No problem. Mm. Yes. I I really appreciate, Jazz, your vulnerability and, like I said before, your sincerity and your authenticity in this because it is a conversation that has never been had. I'm really glad that you are brave enough to bring this conversation to our five listeners. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ideas Digest. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor, do me a favor, do Brooke a favor, do everybody a favor every day, but specifically do me a favor and share this episode, share it with your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, or your friend and say, hey, there's this great episode on masturbation that you should, you should listen to. And they'll look at you a bit funny, but deep down, you know, they're going to go click and watch it because clickbait works. And if you want to get in contact with us, send us an email on ideasdigest at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Instagram at ideasdigest. Send us any topic ideas you might have, any people that are interesting that you've met that you think we should talk to, see a post blow up on Facebook that you think that needs to be spoken about in a way that's balanced and nuanced and can get to the heart and understand who the person is and why they think this outrageous, controversial thing that blew up on Facebook that's what we're here for. So send us a message. Don't forget, if you're on an iPhone, which almost everybody is, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.